you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter number 7. 2 Kings chapter number 7. And while you turn there, I want to mention a couple of announcements. Uh, go ahead, guys. You're going to probably have to... Oh, no, I found the clicker. With our stage all discombobulated here, we were going to have our chairs up here tonight so we didn't put everything back like we normally do. But I found my clicker, so we're good. Uh, I want to remind you about the couples conference coming up this next month. Um, so if you've not made a reservation for that yet, we need to know soon. In fact, I'm going to put out a one call this week and also a Facebook post just to survey how many folks are planning on attending. We do need kind of a minimum number of couples to make this financially feasible. And so we would love to provide this for you. How many of you as couples would be happy to have kind of an extended date night on a Friday night slash Saturday morning? Well, when you go out to a fancy restaurant, you spend probably around $100 between dinner and a movie or a nice restaurant, a good steak. And so that's what the cost is for this uh, conference. It's $100 per couple, and we're going to be equipping you, giving you some great resources for your marriage. Also, the uh, notes that uh, Tim and Debbie will be speaking on will have both combined sessions, but also sessions just for husbands and sessions just for wives. And uh, you guys will be blessed if you're able to attend this. And so we really need to get a, a, a kind of a rough head count. And so with that said, I'll be putting out a survey encouraging you to go to Eventbrite where we have our ticket set up where you can go ahead and reserve your spot. So stay tuned for that. And then secondly, uh, I'll reiterate the need for volunteers for our nursery ministry. We uh, could use maybe uh, eight to ten more volunteers. And so uh, please come to that nursery meeting right over here after the service, immediately following the service, if you can help out with that. All right, take out your worship guide and open those up to the right-hand page where it says, Hear the Word. And so we're going to continue our study here this month in Missions Month. We'll be jumping back into 1 Corinthians here in a couple of weeks. And it's good to see you, by the way. Good to see everybody. I'm looking out across the auditorium and everybody looks awake and happy to be here. Uh, I see some parents who have recently had to let go of their little birdies off to college. The Ryan's back there. I was praying for you this week. Also, uh, Tate or Trey? I always get the two guys mixed up. Trey. Sorry, Trey. Sorry, Tate. One of these days, I'm going to get your names right. It's just you both, you know, redheads. So sorry about that, guys. And sorry to, you know, publicly embarrass you. But anyway, um, Trey is now at Mississippi State. And then, of course, uh, several of you started school this week. My kids start tomorrow morning. Please pray for my wife. Put her on your extended prayer list for the next several weeks as they start doing a few little different things. We homeschool just because I'm not sure how our lives would stay sane if we did not homeschool with all the different schedules. And so if you are a public schooler or a Christian schooler and you're somehow able to manage that schedule plus sports, music, extracurriculars, plus church... Muy bueno. Give yourselves a pat on the back this morning. All right. Well, we're not going to be long here today in the message because we do have a lot going on today and even some things after the service. But I wanted to direct your attention to the Word of God here in 2 Kings 17 to probably one of my favorite stories when it comes to missions. And it doesn't directly apply, but I think the principles that we're going to see here in this story today stir us in a missional mindset for the need to be focused on both our Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so today as we study God's Word, um, we are looking here 
at 2 Kings chapter number 7 of why we must go and tell. So let's just read this story here. We're going to start in verse 1 of 2 Kings 7, and then we'll get right into the message. Let's read verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering into the gate, and they said one to another, Why do we sit here until we die? That's kind of a good question. So what was going on here? You, you might say, okay, why did they ask this question? What was going on here in the city of Samaria was a famine. The um, nation of Assyria had surrounded the city of Samaria. It was the capital city at this time during the reign of Jehoram, who was the grandson of King Ahab. And so Samaria was the capital city of the nation of Israel at this time. It was not Jerusalem. And so Syria, the uh, nation of Syria, had surrounded the city of Samaria in a siege. And so they cut off all the supply lines, all the food. I mean, imagine if the Russians, you know, they're in the news today. And so imagine if the Russians put a blockade around all the coasts of America and no cargo ships could get through. Well, we wouldn't be able to survive too terribly long. In fact, they say that there's only about three days worth of groceries on any grocery shelf at any given time. And so that's interesting to keep in mind, too. So imagine if that was to happen here in America, how long would we be able to survive, especially when uh, many of us no longer farm and have our little gardens out back. And even if we had a garden, the rabbit would eat it, you know. So anyway, imagine if that was the case. Sooner or later, there would be a time of great famine and a time of great starvation. And this is what was happening. In fact, I'm going to share with you some details here in a little bit about how bad the famine was. And so the prophet of God, Elisha here, now makes this prophecy of a, of a dramatic swing of economic events and provision within 24 hours. And one of the king's helpers is like, yeah, I'd like to see that happen. And then the story takes a turn with four lepers. And these four lepers are sitting outside the city gate because they weren't allowed in the city. They were kind of in a no man's land. And they were sitting outside the gate. And clearly they were on their way to dying because they had leprosy. But also they were doubly on their way to dying because they were starving to death along with everybody else who was in the city. And so the lepers kind of all of a sudden had this blinding flash of the obvious. They're like, we're going to die either way. Let's go to the Syrians and maybe we can beg mercy on the Syrians who are surrounding us and maybe they'll give us some food. And so that's where we are in verse 4. If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, I love this, we shall but die. What they're basically saying is, listen, if we go to the Syrians and they kill us, at least it'll probably be a swift death. At least we won't continue to starve to death and have our literal limbs because of leprosy. And if you study it, literally their bodies would waste away. Their limbs would rot off. And so they're thinking, hey, really our only option is go to the Syrians and maybe they'll have mercy on us. But if not, we'll die fast. So this was the situation. How many of you have ever been in one of those situations? You know, the lesser of all evils. How many of you felt like that? Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes we're put into those choices, aren't we? Into impossible choices. 
And so that's what these four lepers found themselves in the midst of. So verse 5, they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Nobody was home. The whole camp was empty. What happened? For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Now, how many of you would be honest to say, Pastor, there are times when I am scared by spooky noises in my house. Raise your hand if you're scared of things that go bump in the night. Let me tell you this. I was scared this week almost out of my huggies when I walked into the church. There are things that happen in this church. I mean, sounds, random sounds, you know. And so on Tuesday night, we were having a deacons meeting up here. I walk into the building at about 550, and I'm walking down this hallway. And at about that time during the the uh, afternoon. It's kind of dark and I'm walking by and I'm just going to tell you this and I don't mean to throw shade on this individual, but Pastor Don's voice coming out of nowhere when I didn't expect to hear him say, well, hello, scared me to death. I literally became a Bapticostal at that moment, if you know what I mean. Hallelujah. And so, uh, and so I can't imagine the Syrians hearing this noise of chariots, this noise of war. Uh, definitely uh, that God, through a miraculous act of mercy, caused these Syrians, the entire nation, to hear this sound. And, I'm, and I don't think it was Pastor Don's, well, hello. But that did scare me, Pastor Don. Shame on you. But anyway, um, and so they heard this sound. They all flee for their lives. They don't even take anything with them. Their gold, their, 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 their silver. I mean, basically, all they took with them was what was on their back. They left in such a hurry because they were assured in their thinking that they were about to face sudden destruction. Wow. What a picture of how God fights our battles for us without us even having to lift a finger. Stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. What a beautiful picture of the gospel, even right here in 2 Kings 7. How Jesus would thoroughly conquer our enemies. Verse 7, Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, even the camp it was, and fled for their life. Verse 8, And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading the Bible, I paint these pictures in my head. Can you imagine the look on their face? These four guys who were as good as dead who probably thought they were going to die quick anyway, which is actually going to be an act of mercy, you know, because they weren't going to starve to death any longer or rot away. And they step into this camp that's totally deserted. And it says here they went into one tent and did eat and drink. You think? I mean, that's first in the list. They ate and drank. Why? Because they was hungry. <laughs> they had been starving. And then it says they carried out of there gold and silver, which that's interesting. So you can't eat gold and silver. Can't eat gold and silver. So gold and silver is not as important as we think it is. So they ate. Then they took some gold and silver and took it without the camp and, and, and uh, hid it. And it came again and entered into another tent and carried it thence also. And it says they also got raiment. So food, money, and clothes. They went on a Syrian shopping spree, ladies and gentlemen. And boy, were they high on the hog that day. But look at verse 9. This is our text, verses 9 and 10. He's, they say, Then they said one to another, We do not well this day. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. 
Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called into the port of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and donkeys tied, and the tents as they were. These guys were living high on the hog. One second, they thought they were as good as dead. The next second, they're like, yeah, baby. Food, money, clothes. And notice they started to hoard for themselves and hide it. But then they had this realization. This is not only a great day for us. This is a great day for the entire nation. And we don't do a good thing if we keep this news to ourselves. Now notice, their motivation was still a motivation based out of fear. Notice what it says in verse 9. They said, if we tarry till the morning and sit on our information that we know, some mischief will come upon us. You know what they believed in? They believed in karma. They thought, yeah, you know, if we don't go, some bad. So, so even in that sense, their motivation wasn't exactly pure. They thought, well, if we don't go, something bad will happen to us. But the lesson here is all the same, that they realized that this wasn't just good news for them. This was good news for everybody. And folks, at its essence, that is what missions is all about. Missions is not just about how it was good news for you. Praise God, we love to hear your testimonies of how Jesus brought you from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, of how he showed you your need for salvation and how you were wonderfully transformed by the gospel. But this is meant to be reproduced. This is meant to multiply. This is meant to be shared. So I want to give you from this story three reasons why we must go and tell. The first reason that we see here this morning is we see very clearly presented for us the hopeless condition of man. The hopeless condition of man. That's the first blank there in your notes. And then there's some things underneath this if you want to take some additional notes. But the reason we must go and tell is because of the hopeless condition of man. As I mentioned to you earlier, times and conditions were desperate in the city of Samaria. I mean, the only thing that I can liken this to here for us in America were, 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 were maybe the times of the Great Depression, when natural resources were very scarce, when food was very scarce, when people would stand in soup lines for hours just to get a little bit of, a little bit of soup for a whole day, for a whole day's needs. And so these times in Samaria were desperate. As I mentioned to you, the city of Syria had laid siege to the city of Samaria. And because of this, there was a great famine in the city. Um, I did not catch uh, how, how long this siege had been going on, but evidently it was long enough to where we see these kinds of conditions. Look with me at verses uh, 26 and 28 and 29 of chapter 6. Back up a little bit there in your Bible and look at these verses. It says in verse 26, And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. So a woman of the city cries out to the king. He says unto her in verse 28, And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me. Now, before I read this, I want you to notice, if you read back, you'll find out that a donkey's head, I thought about entitling this message, Donkey's Heads and Dove's Dung, but I didn't think that would ring too well. But they were literally selling a donkey's head. How many of you would be like, mmm, yummy, a donkey's head. I just can't wait to eat a donkey's head for lunch. 
How many of you be like, sign me up? Okay, good. Nobody? Guess how much a donkey's head was going for during this famine? They were actually taking donkeys, killing them, and eating heads of donkeys. Guess how much a donkey's head was costing? 307 U.S. dollars for one donkey's head. They were selling dove dung. Eight-tenths of a pint of dove dung they were selling for almost 20 U.S. dollars. Would you say that the conditions in the city of Samaria were hopeless? They were selling donkey's heads and dove's dung for $307 and $20. They had no food. They were literally wasting away. They were starving to death. And they went so far, folks, that we read what's on the screen. So this woman cries out to the king because evidently this woman had made a deal with her friend that they would both boil their sons and eat them. How many of you teenagers are thankful that you ain't got parents who would, yeah, good, okay. This is a dire situation. I don't mean to make light of it, but I mean, cannibalism. This is how bad it was. Literally, I mean, what in your conscience and in your mind? I mean, we as parents are naturally, God gives us this in our heart. We're willing to die for our children. And yet these mothers are talking about killing. And so one lady actually went through with it and boiled her own son and they ate him. And the other lady went back on the deal, and she hid her son. And so the king, I mean, these are dire situations. And, of course, the king is just heartbroken at this and and just totally overwhelmed. It says in verse 30 that he rent his clothes. And, of course, he turns to blame Elisha because of this judgment. But let me just tell you this. This judgment was brought upon themselves by their own sin. Jehoram was a wicked king. Jehoram was a king who did not regard God. And so sometimes people blame God for their circumstances. But let me tell you, the nation of Israel brought on themselves a whole heap of circumstances. And this was one of them. And so Jehoram turns and he blames Elisha, which is the wrong person to blame. (laughs) And so we see this hopeless condition of man. This famine was a direct consequence of the sin of the nation. And today, folks, we see people lost in their hopeless condition. What would possess people to kill their own children and take their own lives? Sin can take you to extremities that you would never imagine. And so we've got the state of the city here, but then you've got another picture of the hopeless condition of men of these four lepers outside of the city. So you've got the starvation on the inside and you've got the starvation and the wasting away of these four lepers on the outside of the city gates. These men were outcast. These men had a death warrant written over the top of their head. Many families, when a family member was proclaimed to be a leper, they would actually have a funeral service for that family member when they cast them out of the city because they were as good as dead. Talk about the hopeless condition of men. Folks, The reason we go and tell people is because we see the hopeless condition of the human race without God. The human race without the good news that Christ has won the victory. And so the reason that we're compelled to go is because we see the hopeless condition. And wow, is it illustrated here for us in this story. But it's no less, uh, and this is a great picture for us, of some of the hopeless conditions we find in the world today. And so that's why we go. We go to share good news because we realize we have the only news. As Brother Dwayne alluded to, the only cure for the spiritual cancer of this world 
is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it is good news. So here's my question in this point, and that's this. How well do we have our spiritual prescription on our glasses to be able to see the true condition of people when we look at them? I'm going to be honest. I used to get so worked up at everything going on in our world. And I'm not saying that there's not a righteous indignation, but I found myself, and this is me, I found myself getting angry at people and, and, and not having pity on the fact that what else would I expect from people who don't even know Christ? So when you see the hopeless condition of the world, it stirs up within you a compassion to where you see, wow, you know what? It wasn't too long ago when I was just like that. And so I'm going to try to have, seek to have compassion on the hopeless condition of mankind. And so this story paints for us that picture. But the second reason that we must go and tell, we see in this story, is because of the incredible mercy of God. The incredible mercy of God. Now think about the situation here. You have these four lepers who are in the midst of this siege. They're starving to death, just like all their buddies in the city are. But they're also rotting away. They're rotting away on the outside. They're starving on the inside. And they're like hey, let's just go to the Syrians and maybe they'll kill us quick because dying slowly ain't working. And imagine the turn of events, the entire flipping of the story. How many of you know what I'm talking about here where God did something in your life where you expected it to be a quick death? I mean, you were going the wrong way. You knew you were headed that way and woo. You had an encounter with the incredible mercy of God, and it overwhelmed you. Well, I know many of your stories as I look out across this room. And I see people who've had an incredible encounter with the mercy of God. And it's no less what happened with these men. These men were going to what they thought was a certain fate of death, and instead it turned into a Syrian shopping spree. They ate till their heart's content, and they were loving it. Talk about mercy. Talk about unexpected blessing. And so these men were overwhelmed with delight. I mean, imagine their surprise when they arrived in the Syrian camp and found all the soldiers gone and the wealth of the Syrian army left for their taking. And so we see in verse 8, it says, And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. Again, they were taking care of priorities. And then they got the silver, then they got the raiment. And so they were delighted at this unexpected, merciful blessing of God. They were literally, folks, rescued from certain death. They were overjoyed at their good fortune, and they began to delight. What did they delight in? We see here, first of all, they delighted in their refreshment. They ate and they drank. They were probably thirsting to death. They were probably starving to death. And these men ate to refreshment. They were starving, but when the nightfall came, they had more than they could have eaten in many lifetimes. And I couldn't help but think of what Jesus does to the spiritually starving soul when we taste of his goodness and see that he is good. Are you starving today? Are you hungry? What do you think is going to satisfy more trash from this world. Literally, the city of Samaria was eating garbage. Donkey's heads and dove's dung. 
And it's amazing, folks, how often we return to vomit, thinking it's going to satisfy. But the only thing that refreshes the soul, the only thing that brings to life the soul is the water of life that you just heard spoke about in John 4 and the bread of life. His name is Jesus. He satisfies the longing soul. It says over in Isaiah 55, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, (laughs) the lepers didn't have any money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And that's exactly what God did in a physical example for these four lepers. And that's what God does for you and for me in the gift of salvation. He refreshes us. So these lepers delighted in their refreshment. But number two, they delighted in their riches. They delighted in the riches that they had been given. Look back at verse 8. It says, and they took the silver and the gold. The silver and the gold. Think about it. These four men were dirt poor. They survived off the other garbage, off the garbage that other people threw outside the city. And now they weren't even getting the garbage that people were throwing outside the city because the people were eating the garbage. And so these men were destitute. They were poor. They were outcasts. They had absolutely nothing. But now they're wealthy. What? They have more gold and silver than they could possibly spend. And isn't it true that those who know Jesus enjoy spiritual blessings beyond the imagination of those who don't yet know the Lord? You see, we've been given eternal riches in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. Our God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And some of you could give testimony about how God has blessed you. Yes, financially, but even more so, he's blessed you with things that money can't buy. What about peace in your family and in your marriage? What about rest and hope in the gospel? What about a transformed life? You know, I know some people who have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to try to change their habits in their life. And it's not until they get a a taste of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the incredible mercy of God, that they then find that they're changing without spending all that money on the counselors anymore. I'm not saying that counselors aren't important and that they're not needed. I'm just saying that sometimes people think that the problem can be fixed by paying somebody to listen to them and tell them all the reasons why they're going to always stay stuck. Jesus gives to us true riches that transform our life. And so we have things that are far more precious than silver and gold. We have his presence, we have his provision, we have his power, we have his promises. I think of that old hymn that says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. So these men delighted in their refreshment. They delighted in their riches. But then thirdly, they delighted in their raiment. They delighted in, the, in these clothes that they found. Evidently, they needed some, I would imagine. Being a leper, you probably don't get a chance to go into uh, you know, Walmart and buy a new outfit every day. They were poor, so they couldn't afford anything. In the morning, they were, think about this, in the morning, before they went over to this city, in the twilight, in the morning, they were dressed in rags. In the evening, they came in and they were dressed in the finest robes of the Syrian army. They had never been so well-dressed in all their life. And all I would say to that is, never forget 
the trade you made when you turned in your rags, your filthy rags of self-righteousness for the robe of Jesus Christ. His robes for mine, oh wonderful exchange. He has clothed us with the garments of salvation, folks. Do you see the parallels here? Do you see the pictures here? These lepers, man, they were loving life. They were so thankful for the incredible, merciful blessing of God. They had food. They had riches. They had raiment. But the third reason why we must go and tell is because of the undeniable responsibility of believers. Why must we go and tell? Because of the undeniable responsibility of believers. Somewhere along the way, I don't know what happened. I don't know where it was, but clearly we get the idea that their motivation was as if we don't, something bad's going to happen, we're going to lose all this. And so, but at some point, they had at least a halfway good thought. And that is, this isn't all about us. I would imagine maybe they started thinking of those family members that threw them out of the city and had a funeral for them. They probably thought about their mom and their dad. They probably thought about their neighbors. They probably thought about the people they went to school with. They said, you know what, guys? We do not well. This day is a good day of good news, and, and we must, we must go and tell. So they had this realization, didn't they? These men were so caught up in their excitement over their newfound blessings that they, for a moment, forgot about all the other people in the city. You know, for a while, they're like, oh, you know. Now, we know that nobody in, here, in this room never hoards things, do we? Some of y'all hoard Pringles potato chips. I'm not saying some of my kids need to be listening in this very moment. They, some, of you, some of you wives, you hoard candy. You hide it from your husband. Why are y'all all looking at Rebecca? You think I'm preaching at her? Some of you husbands hide things. And this is what these guys did. They hoarded for themselves. And they went and they hid this. And, they, and then all of a sudden they're like, ah, you know what? We're now in better shape than anybody when just a few moments ago we were in worse shape than everybody. Think about it. They were in the worst shape of everybody just a few moments before. And now they're in the best shape of anybody in the city. They realized that they were hoarding up the blessings instead of sharing them with those in need. They probably had this realization too. Hey, we can't ever spend all this. We can't ever eat all this. And they said, we do not well. It sums it up pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, that phrase really does sum it up. We who are saved need to remember the blessings of the Lord that we enjoy. They, they weren't given to us because we worked hard and earned it. They were given to us by the merciful blessing of God. And so God didn't give us these things to hoard up and make us happy. No, God blessed us with these things so that we might share those blessings with those around us who need them too. So every one of us needs to come to this realization. It's not he who dies with the most tough wins. It's he who takes people to heaven with him, showing to those people that Jesus has already won and paid it all. We do not well. These men decided that the blessings were not just for themselves only, but that this was a day of good tidings for everyone. Others needed what they, what they had, 
and they wanted to share it with them. So they had this realization, and then they made a resolution. They resolved to go and tell others about what they had found. They said there at the end of verse 9, Therefore, so because of this, let's go, that we may go and tell the king's household. And so they made this resolution, and then they made a decision to go. And listen, that decision took courage. I mean, these men had been outcasts. We don't know even for how long, but they had been outcasts. And going back into the city took courage. It took courage for them to approach those city gates. They possibly could face death trying to go back into the city as a leper. And folks, it takes courage for us to share the message of Jesus with the world. And so it involved courage, but this decision also involved compassion. As I mentioned to you, how easy would it have been for these lepers to say, well, I remember they cast us out of the city and they had a funeral for us. No big deal if they die. Praise God they didn't do that. You know what missions is at its most barest essential? Compassion. Showing compassion upon the world. And you know what really boggles the world's mind? When you have compassion on your enemies. When you have compassion on people that don't deserve it. In fact, that's really what true merciful compassion is at its most basic biblical understanding is giving to somebody something they don't deserve. And so they had compassion. And of course, their going and this decision and them seeing their responsibility to take this good news, it involved a transformation of the entire city. Isn't that incredible? I mean, if you read the rest of the story, the entire city of Samaria was saved They were able to go out. They were able to get the food that they needed. Many, many people's lives were spared because of these four lepers. And so they say here, we do not well this day. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. So folks, may we not hold our peace. May we not be quiet when God has given us every reason to speak. And so they came and called into the porter of the city and told them, saying, we came to this camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there. Hey, these lepers weren't lying. They're telling the truth. The donkeys and the the tents uh, as they were, and he called the porters, and they told it to the king's household within. The lesson today, the summary statement simply for us today is, because these four men refused to hoard up their blessings, a city was saved. What will be our response to the incredible, merciful blessings bestowed upon our lives to our city and the nations? You see the hopeless condition of mankind. We see the incredible mercy of God. The very fact that we're sitting here today is a testimony to God's amazing mercy. And so what will we do with what we have been given? Are you holding your peace Are we refusing to tell others that are trapped in sin and darkness about the glorious way out? In the New Testament, I think of a guy by the name of Andrew. He was always, whenever you read things about him in the New Testament, you always find he was bringing people to Jesus. He was telling them the good news. So what does that look for us like practically today? What do you need to receive today? 
Perhaps today you just need to receive, again, the reminder that you used to be just like those leprous men, just like those people in that city. You were starving spiritually. You were searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places. You were eating garbage. And then all of a sudden, you had an encounter with the incredible mercy of God. And because of your previous hopeless condition, because of your encounter with the incredible mercy of God, folks, we do now have a responsibility, a calling, a commission to go and tell. And here's what's awesome about the New Testament and about the New Covenant and the commission that Jesus has given to us. Do you notice that the motivation for the lepers was because if they didn't do it, something bad would happen to them? Selfishness? Hey, if, hey, if we don't, something bad will happen to us. And you know what the message of the gospel is? If we don't, nothing bad is going to happen to us. Jesus took all of our bad. We're not going to hell. But something bad's going to happen to them because they don't yet know Jesus. And if we disobey and if we don't, oh, what a loss that it would be to see those people not be with us in eternity. So what do you need to receive today? How are you living the gospel Monday through Saturday? How are we sharing the gospel uh, do, do we see the need for missions, not just across the world, although that's one of our main focuses here in this month. And of course, we want you to be involved in that. But, but our greatest call here is to reach our city. Are we being a witness? Let's pray.